Welcome to the Human Conversation Podcast with Jules White, the real dragon slayer, author and entrepreneur sales coach. Tune in weekly for human conversation about business and sales. Enjoy business expert interviews, educational episodes and virtual cuppers with entrepreneur business owners. So grab yourself a cuppa and enjoy. Here is your host, Jules White. So welcome everybody to the human conversation and I have a really fantastic guy with me who uh, it's actually quite a special episode this if I'm honest it's quite close in terms of his auntie is one of my best friends and that's how we met so this is Luke Owett. Nailed it. Hello Did I everybody. Nail it? You, Hello. You first time. Do you know, I get really freaked out with names sometimes because I think I'm not going to say it properly, but there you go. Nailed it. Super. So Luke, welcome to the human conversation. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is great. It's lovely, lovely to talk to you. And I'm really super excited about this conversation that we're going to have. And I know that the listeners will be detecting an American accent here. So just tell us, right, first of all, where are you right now? So I am in Stratum, London. I was born in Burbank, California, and I have two British parents. My mom being my sister, your friend. Uh, she was born here in England. My dad born here in Ryslip, England. But uh, that's where I, got, and I grew up there. So when I was young, I spent a lot of time in England, but I got educated from the age of five and up really in the States. Yeah. And that's where the accent comes from. And so how long have you been back in the UK? I am at the end of three months, this recent stint. I went back and forth to California since the beginning of the year twice during these COVID times. Um, two passports makes that easier, I suppose. And really in the effort for chasing love and life, I met somebody at the end of December. She is from here. And we had planned to try things out, I suppose, at the end of this year. But because of COVID, I thought, well, let's just go sooner because all my other plans have been canceled. I love that. And it's working out, I hear. It really is. It really is. (laughs) It's our first month in this apartment here. And as I look at the plants and some of the pictures and the fruit bowl, you just feel like, oh, this is actually real. It's it's not not just an Airbnb. It's so lovely. So look, I want to kind of dig deep into um, a story that's very personal to you. Um, And you've produced something so wonderful out of the back of this story that when we first chatted, I said, we need to make a podcast because for me, this is um, the story is so important in this. It's hugely important. So uh, let's just say that the story really focuses around your mum. And uh, let me first say to you, um, do you want to just tell us a little bit about what we're talking about here, Luke? Yeah, so my mom, who is named Zoe, she passed away in 2001. And at that time, I was 18 years old, uh, about, and I'm now 36 years old. So at the time, I, her passing came and went. It came really quickly and passed really quickly. And I didn't think much about it. 
And in a few, a few years later, uh, I noticed a picture at my dad's house and it was, my mom was an artist and she drew some amazing, amazing artworks and they've been around my life, my whole, my whole life. And it was a shame to see this picture leaning on the wall without a frame and it had a bowed, bowed shape and you could see smoke stains on it because both my mom and dad smoked a lot of cigarettes and coffee stains and and so it occurred to me, I thought, you know, if there's anything I could do right now, it would be to help her art. As I say that out loud, I realize that's, that's kind of a lie because <laughs> I think before the artwork came, there was a moment of realization that I just never really dealt with my mom and her death. Nothing to do with her art. Uh, it just had to do with me being older, me being a little more pensive uh, and realizing that I didn't quite finish or at least at least put a put a button on our relationship because at the time she passed when I was in college and there was also I when she passed away um the week before she I saw her and I and I went to their house as a usual college student might to to collect food and eat all eat all the food and get get clothes and maybe steal some of my dad's weed if it was in the drawer or something. <laughs> and my mom came out and she was in a walker and she's, she's always had trouble. She had lupus her whole life. And so she's had a lot of health issues and she comes out on a walker and she's like, Luke, Luke, before you leave, uh, what, what do you think of my walker? And I could just remember looking at her and kind of looking back and, and, and I, I told her it looks pathetic. And then I went out and I left and I got on the bike and zoomed wheelied away, at least in my head or how I write it in the book. And then she died a week later and we hadn't spoken since that time. So of course my head lean, my head falls like, Oh shit. What, so what did I, did I, did I do that? Is that something that, that she got just so offended by her son saying this to her that she just thought, what's the point? Like I'm just bad in this disease and he just thinks this stuff. And so pretty tough and I, th I remember at the time as an 18 year old I think I just hid in I was playing I was playing on the school t soccer team I hid in my fraternity I hid in booze and drugs and usual things they think 18 and 18 19 20 year olds do and never really thought much of it so fast forward 10 ish years later I wanted to do something about that. I'd been doing a lot of writing. Uh, so I wanted to, I just, so I, so I wrote her a letter and I just, uh, I wrote it as a blog. Uh, it's a blog that still makes me, still makes Roz, I think when she reads it, I think it makes her tear up a bit. Um, and it's just a letter to her to say, I, you know, there's so much I would like to tell you. And so it's kind of my way of telling Zoe, my mom, um, those things. And then, and Luke, do you think? Because um, I always say that writing a letter is actually so therapeutic. You know, whether it's because you're writing it to somebody who you've lost and they're no longer here, or even like relationship-wise, sometimes you know, if you can't say something, to actually put it into writing, there's something quite special about doing that, isn't there? And I, I loved it when you told me you'd written this letter. You know, it felt very special. I think the magic of a letter is even, especially a blog that I know I'm going to post to people is that I wrote that letter for her and, 
And maybe I posted it in a public statement because it was an announcement of, man, I was a shitty kid, but I'm better now. And I don't know how to better say that, but also when you really direct it to somebody, I think a letter can be so nice. And I mean, I probably could have written that and burned it and then told this story and it could still have as much significance and, and it would be a little easier because even now as I choke up slightly, um, it would, I wouldn't have to read it mm -hmm. in its form. And I know Roz told me at some point, she reread it, I think, because I sent her a link to the book and some of the letters. And because I, I write a form of the letter in the book, but not, it, not so, not so, uh, not copy and pasted. Yeah. Um, but the letter was pivotal in the creation of the book because I went to a show that's called uh, Taboo Tales. And people get on stage, and this is in Los Angeles, you get on stage and it's a small theater, maybe 100 people less. And somebody gets on stage and tells a really funny story of a taboo. And I think it's, I, I just can't get enough of people being open and honest. And a taboo is one of, that's, that's all the things. Because if you're willing to share your taboo, you're, you're admitting something that I guess is you think is bad or other people think is bad and it's a vulnerability that you're willing to share. So, so just tell us in case, um, I mean, maybe this is a language thing, but taboo, you know, is this an American phrase or, or is this just something I haven't necessarily heard of? I know there's a board game, I think, called taboo. What does it really mean, Luke? Yeah, taboo is that which must not be done or spoken about or mm -hmm. thought about even. So you have sexual taboos and you have all these things that really are kind of without, you, that's off limits. It's just off limits and you're not really supposed to deal with it because that's just the, and you, you can have societal taboos, you can have your marital taboos, you can have taboos and all sorts of things, but it's sort of a, it's just a, a, a word to hide behind because people yeah. don't want to deal with what the actual subject matter is. Yeah. So when I was at that show, I thought about what, what I, I, I wanted to be on that stage. What would I talk about? And at that point, I had started to think about the art and I was trying to not really make, not to sell them, but I was scanning them. So I'd find my mom's art and take them to a printer or a scanner and then make, duplicate, make at least a digital copy of them. And then, and then I thought, oh, well, this stuff's amazing. Let me just sell it. And so I'd make a big copy of some of this amazing art, artwork. Uh, and, I, and I was kind of struggling with that because, well, I didn't know why. So when I went to Taboo, I thought, well, my Taboo is that I'm trying to make money off my dead mother's talent. And to sum it up in a sentence, I suppose. So when I, sub I submitted my application to Taboo Tales and I used that letter as my submission, and then I added a little bit, and here I am, mom, now to make money off your work. So wish me luck or something to that <laughs> form. And they got back to me and they said, you know, this is great. In fact, I think the girl said that she had a mom who, who died in a similar way and, and, and it really hit her hard, but letter format is just not good for the stage. Um, so I got the response and I was just irate. I was like, how dare you tell me it's not a good, format to talk on stage. This is good. This is real good. Screw you. I'm going to show you taboo tales. So I 
So I, <laughs> I said, I'm going to make, I'm going to scan all the pictures. I'm going to take all, I'm going to try and sell all, all the prints and get, set up an Etsy page and get a website and try and sell this artwork. And, and, and I immediately had no success selling the art. And I was reminded by somebody that art is really appreciated in with the beholder and a beholder of the art. If you own the art, what is their story to the art? What is their story? Why do they like it? If I, if sometimes there is a story where it's as simple as this is visually pleasing, of course. But if you look at the art and it happens to be of a lion and you're a Leo and you hold on to your zodiac sign a lot, maybe that's a big thing. Or whatever the story might be. So I thought, well, how can I tell, I need to tell the story of these pictures because I'm like, there's gotta be more to them. So, so I thought I'd do a book because a book is, I could show off the pictures in really high quality and, and they do come out really good in a big book. So like, this is a 12 inch square book. Okay. So, so some of you guys aren't on video, um, which means that you really should just go to YouTube and watch the video. Um, but Luke's just holding up a picture uh, for us to see some of that art. And also just, if, just hold up the front of the book as well, um, Luke, so we can actually see. The, the, to, just to describe this, it's called Finding Zoe. And then the subline is through her art. This book is, is really quite a big size, isn't it, Luke? Yeah, it's 12 um, inch square, 44 pages, coffee table book was my yeah. thought. Because I yeah. didn't have faith in humans to be able to read something or at least read my story because it can't be that good. So I thought <laughs> short, concise and image, and image focus was the goal yeah. of the book. And it needed to be that because the art is absolutely stunning in it. I mean, truly stunning. And so I kind of just wanted you to get a feel for what the book sort of looks like and, and imagine if you're listening to this, what that book actually looks like. Um, Luke, carry on telling us then. So you form, formulated this idea to create the book, but because then it can tell the story of the art, which is the bit I love. Yeah, so I could, in, in a single product, I could sell for a, a profitable amount of money and show off her art, and that seemed to me, at least at the time, to be worth exploring. So as a part of that process, initially, the story wasn't really there. I didn't have the stories, nor did I really anticipate to wrap the words around the pictures. But as, I, as I, I made news, sent the smoke signals up in the world to say, hey, if you have one of my mom's pictures, I'd love to meet you and, and hear about how you got the art and your relationship with her and your story about her. Um, and then the stories came. So the 44 pages are really each, each picture or most of the pictures are, are a name so each chapter is a name and they are usually the one who owns or had the picture and then the story which ranges from a single paragraph to a few pages is about that person so although the art is the focus and really displayed prominently in the book uh, the words are really those chapter names and I, yeah, so, and I would like to take this moment, just to say all those names in the book, thank you so much, because it, it, the book doesn't exist without you. No, and it, 
I, you know, I love this in that, you know, you're ne we're now on a journey in that book. So we're not just seeing your mum's wonderful artwork. We're now finding out the people that knew your mum and the relationships that they had with your mum. And, and then almost um, the story behind each picture because of that. I mean, there's so much depth to this, Luke. You see how excited I feel about it. It goes deeper and deeper. It's like an onion, all these lovely layers. I mean, yeah. how, how did you feel being able, I mean, I kind of want to assume, which you should never do, that you just were forming this amazing connection back to your mum. It, it, didn't, it didn't happen at all really during the process of gathering the pictures and, or the stories. That probably formed more during the writing of the book. Uh, this process has taken better part of three years to collect, collect, travel around, collect the images, uh, traveling mostly the States and, and then some parts of England to get it. But it didn't occur to me so much because what would happen is I would meet these people and it would seem very objective and matter of fact. Uh, and then I would take notes after and I, I couldn't help. It just seemed, I don't know, I guess as I say that out loud, that's a little unfair because I knew what I was doing towards the end, some of the later trips. Uh, one of the harder chapters for me to write was the Cindy chapter, which is early on. And the Cindy chapter, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I didn't even know I was writing a book at that point. I just knew she had some beautiful pictures and she had offered to loan them to me. Uh, and, and then as I went back to write them, I couldn't help but try and force the narrative onto my experience with her and then ultimately the Jack chapter, which was her ex-husband that she led me to. And and I, I think I struggled with those chapters because I didn't, I couldn't validate it with them. And most of these chapters aren't validated with the person. It's because, because I never explicitly asked them, is this what happened? It was, it was a lot of it was interpretation. And I have since I've reached out to everybody in the book to make sure I'm not being outrageous. And there had, there actually were a few corrections based on that from first drafts. Um, but I never put it together that I was really getting close with my mom until the actual writing, until the connection of the words and really focusing on the storyline and the progression, then I realized there's a lot of themes. Uh, for example, people tended to, people tend, I, I tended to bring people back to their time with her and then I couldn't help but feel I was intruding on their, their memory of her. And I say intruding in, in a not negative way, but I was there voyeuristically watching. Yeah. And I presume most of these people didn't have a chance to say goodbye to her in the same way I didn't. And when I would show up many years, often decades later, they didn't really know how to dig this memory up and deal with it. So when I showed up, I was, I was there scraping at the bottom of the barrel that, that something that you probably didn't want to do. So it was a bit raw and, and they, I could sit, I felt I wasn't there sometimes. It was more them sort of wistfully thinking about Zoe 
And I had to try hard in the book not to, not to sort of stamp on that, uh, that theme because it did come up a lot. And I didn't want to just say over and over and over again that kept happening, but it, it, it indeed did. Do you think that's got something to do with the sort of woman your mum was and the relationships they all had with her? No doubt in my mind, my mom was an intense individual and everybody she dealt with, it was maximum velocity, intensity, duration. And that's, I think, what people loved about it. Um, Lynn is, was her, is her best friend. And Lynn's not in the book. In fact, I only mention her, I think, very briefly, if at all. And, and she tells me some amazing stories about her relationship with my mom. And she says they, she's never fought with anybody else more than, than Zoe. And it's one of those things, again, where only when you tear and scratch and rip back and you get to the, the inner side of people, you can you can really get to know them or feel them and to the point where the way lynn describes it is they would have a fight and then they they'd have somebody come in and be like okay you two need to calm down and lynn would be like okay fine and zoe would just be like no no i'm gonna rip off another layer and let's go even further and i get the sense that that she was like that with everybody and i it, it that is a that is a characteristic I've learned from this process, this book that I share with her. So even at 18, I probably didn't think that, definitely didn't think that. But now I know I'm a bit of Zoe in that sense, because I, I presume anybody listening to this who knows me can know I can kind of get under your nails and prod and pick at things about people, even when it's uncomfortable. Yeah. But at the end, I feel people have really strong relationships because of that. And to be honest, it, it's kind of disappointing that people kind of stop at the surface when they deal with people in relationships, whether it be professional, social, family. It's, yeah. uh, it, could be, it could be better. And a lot of people just stop when it, when it gets tough. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think sometimes we're, we're a bit scared to go that bit deeper, aren't we, sometimes. And even as you talk about it, you know, in business, I always speak to my clients about stepping into their world, you know, because I think we, we just dip our toe, don't we? And we just, oh, I'll just see what it's like there. Oh, okay, it's different, all right. And then we don't really connect in a way that we could connect. So sometimes that deeper painful stuff is actually an amazing way for us to connect better with each other. You know, that's, yeah. that's what I think anyway. I think what fascinated, I got, I've been so lucky because I got to look through the book with Roz. Um, and of course, I didn't know your mum. I know Roz very well. And I didn't know you at the time when I looked at the book. I hadn't met you because we only met the other day on, on Zoom, just like this. And yet, I think when I did meet you, having looked at the book, I don't know what it was. I sort of felt like I'd known you forever. It was so, such a lovely connection because I, I was moved by the book. And I think that's important to say in this podcast. That's why I wanted to do this. Because I wanted to tell you how the book made me feel. You know, this is somebody I don't know. You, I didn't know. But this beautiful art, and I mean stunningly beautiful art, and very deep art, had stories to it, even if you'd not written a word with it. But the fact you did then add that other depth to it, 
made it such a fascinating book. I want to keep going back to it. I want to read it again. And I want to even ask you more about the book. You know, once I have done that, Lou, I will want another conversation with you. Now I say, so, so tell me more about this and what did that mean? Because when you look at the pictures, actually a lot of them I find incredibly sad. I feel like the sadness in a lot of those pictures. Did you feel like that? Well, the sadness is, and I start the book saying that there is always an undertone of some sort of darkness to so many of her pictures, even whether it be an eagle with an intense glare or even a lion that just kind of has a little bit of maybe I wouldn't stroke him kind of look to him <laughs> is, and, and there's no doubt. I, my mom lived, uh, my, uh, she lived a painful life. As I understand, lupus is absolutely horrible to have and it's a painful disease. Your body's killing itself. And, and especially back then, sort of in the late 90s, 80s, people just didn't know, the doctors didn't know. So you were given all sorts of medication uh, for one thing and then another medication for another thing, you had to deal with this. And, and, I, and I think there's no doubt that you're, that's gonna affect you. Um, and how else do you, yeah, it's, it's tough to communicate sadness and just be constantly doing a sad face. I think it's, a, it's interesting how she does sort of use, use the imagery to convey that when you couldn't really put your finger on it so much. Yeah. So there's no doubt there's a bit of sadness. I mean, in the book, I to deal with her, uh, I go meet her ex-husband before my dad. Um, so she dealt with divorce. Uh, I talk about abortion, which I've had Facebook comments that lead to her relationship with her mother and never being validated and things that probably a lot of people deal with or have in their life, but for her, it comes out in her art. And yeah. 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 So sitting here now, do you think you know your mom better because of actually producing the book? I feel I relate to her more. I feel she could sit next to me now and we'd be a lot more comfortable around each other. Not that we weren't comfortable before, but we are, we would understand each other more. And it's a shame that I was still a kid when she passed and, and she didn't get to know adult Luke, but I think we would know each other a lot more. And, and I do, I think it's, I think I appreciate her more than a mother is what I got out of this book. Cause I'd only seen her as my mom. I used to call her mummy, but then <laughs> the kids would make fun of me. So I'd called her switch to mom because my grandmother was mum, My mom was mummy. Uh, and then to talk to people that saw her partying, traveling, doing things that you probably don't want your parents to know you realize this, these are, these are the stories I wish everybody, I could, I could swap with her that if she was sitting next to me and we do understand each other so well that I could candidly ask, she could get under my nails and I wouldn't have a problem with it. And so to that end, yes, yes, definitely learned a lot about her, but I do end it with there's, there is a lot more. And I do think there's a second book out of this because she has a lot more pictures 
Uh, I've, I've already found a few, but I've also been uh, led to others or people have reached out to me to, A, they've reached out to me in response to the book and saying, oh, well, you thought this, but you're, you're totally wrong. So I got all <laughs> sorts of corrections eventually I need to make in this. Uh, and others that I just have a lead and I just need to go to go find, find them. And as a loop personal thing, I love a lead. Uh, for example, somebody said there's a, her, one of the last pictures she did uh, was she gave to somebody uh, at her, at her uh, memorial. Uh, one of those moments you wish you could take back maybe where at, at her memorial, my dad decided it was easier to move on quicker. Same thing with, probably with me. We both treated it the same. So anything related to Zoe got given away from our African gray parrot to a lot of pictures. So somebody got given it. He was in a bad space in his life and gave it to somebody else. So this amazing, huge, beautiful picture of a girl over the ocean and, and is, is to be found. It exists. I have a picture of it, but I don't have the actual because it was given to a guy who, who as far as we know, he probably sold it on the street to get some money for some drugs or something. Wow. So it's out there and hopefully it's not destroyed, but that kind of lead will lead is what I like. I don't mind a sleuthing expedition. And that's I mean, this book is that effectively from being given an email address or just, I heard about so-and-so up here and then I dig in and, and yeah. chapters came out of it. That. I love that we've now got a search on for this amazing picture as well, Luke, you know, we, we can make something of this, I think, you know. It's, it's so true. I think the other interesting thing that you talked about to me was these beautiful fairies, were they, that she had drawn, which were almost childlike, you know, for a beautiful child's book even. Do you remember yeah. you mentioning those? Yeah, I do. I think, do I have any right here? I don't, I could find them, but those aren't in the book, but they were that one's interesting because one they were on the stairs in my grandparents house that i would visit all the time and so i saw those fairies so often and uh, but they were framed very poorly and and so their paper was was decaying so by me scanning them they now exist in this sort of purified form to the point where they're actually better than the originals. So I, yeah. I got to keep the originals in this sort of special paper and hidden away from air and light. And, and, uh, but also they are very childlike and it, but it was, it, it's also, it, she went through phases of art. So she definitely, this was during her pointillism phase. So she did so much in pointillism where like little Van Gogh and, and a few others where, just, just dots and, and the fairies are done in dot form. That's amazing because they look beautiful. They really are lovely, aren't they, to see? Yeah, yeah that, one, that one gets back to me trying to make money off her because I do think the fairies are, if they come in four, there's four different ones, four different colors. And I've tended to give them to people who have a kid or have about to have a kid, as you say, childlike. So it's a nice package to give and and you can sort of put them sort of you could imagine separate on your wall and and yeah i hope maybe other people would appreciate that i think is yeah yeah i think they're beautiful and they're, they're quite different to the other art aren't they that's that's what i noticed it's such a difference you know there's almost some really lovely innocence and joy to the fairy pictures aren't they you know in comparison 
Yeah, I'd love to know if where she got the inspiration from because they're a little sort of Peter Panish. Yeah. But but they're all different in their own right, and if she made it up. But uh, when I was at my well, was that, uh, my mom's ex-husband, his name's Jeff. He's one of the chapters. This is one of the doozy chapters that I haven't I haven't gotten to yet uh, in my promotion of this book. But he pulled out a big box, probably a meter square, this huge box that he let, kept under his bed. And in it was filled with a bunch of cards. And each card was just a handmade birthday card, happy new year's card, Christmas card, uh, nothing card other than just say, I love you card. And it was done in a similar fashion as these, as these fairies. And it makes me think that she could do these really quickly. And, and I just love how she would, she would use these sort of uh, fairy-like wisps of air and, and, and wings. Yeah. And yeah, that was, so there is also a product out that came out of this book from seeing Jeff is that to go get all these cards and see if people would be interested in them. Yeah, which I think is a great idea. I really do. You know, it's just another element and another way for you to um, share your mom's art. And I, I want to say to you, because you say to me several times, I'm just making money off my mum's art, you know. I feel like you're not doing that. I feel like you're sharing your mum's art. And there's a value to that, Luke. So yeah. I, I just want to say that to you because I, I don't like you perhaps feeling that way because it feels like that might be slightly uncomfortable. And I don't think it needs to be. I think you've done an amazing thing to have a legacy to your mum that you're now sharing with the world. That's how you need to think of it. Yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for that. I do need that slap in the face reminder. And I've had a few people along the way uh, to, who have been good about that. Uh, this wonderful friend I made recently, her name's Jody, uh, is constantly reminding me of that. And, and I get hung up on the money side of things. And, and that's, that's it's unfortunate. And I think as, as we, you and I talked about, uh, sell the story to sell the book to then sell the art and so there is a selling aspect to those three things but ultimately I think the ultimate validation for me would be that everybody knew knew about Zoe I suppose for, for good or ill yeah. it'd be nice and the art is just nice to nice to use that vehicle absolutely and the book is called Finding Zoe yeah which is just perfect isn't it for this so you're right. This is about us being able to spread the story of the book. And hopefully that's going to want, everybody's going to want to have that book now. I'm going to have it. I want it. Um, and I hope people are going to follow and watch out for the whole way that they can buy that book. We'll put all links in that we've got to help them, won't we, Luke? Yeah. And then after that, there could be an opportunity to even buy individual pieces of that art from you. Yeah, yeah, I get, I, I'm a perpetual one. I'm, I'm one who perpetually gets to the end of a project and then I can create a new, new finish line. And yeah. it's, it's, it's a problem and a blessing because obviously you, you aspire for new horizons, but I need to stay focused on that. There is an element to this whole story. It does become emotional. There's a lot of unsaid and performed emotions, I think, having to do with it. But there is an element of execution on selling a book. 
So even though I'm not about making the money, I do have 900 of them in a garage somewhere <laughs> yeah. that I need to get rid of. Yes. <laughs> so are you listening, these 900 listeners that we have? <laughs> One each for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. But yeah, I, I think um, it's been really lovely being able to tell your story and listen to your story so that we really understand how deep this is this isn't just a book i don't think this is a lot more this is a legacy for your mum and this is you being able to share your mum's wonderful talent her artistic talent amazing i love it so much luke um, i think we are all going to be waiting to a buy this book b buy the second book and maybe see even buy some of the art after all of this that's that's what I believe people will truly want. It's about value, not price, you know. It's about value. Yeah, to get back to the purpose of the book was to create a story. So this, this has been lovely to say some of the stories. And it does make, it does, I can't help but picture some of the pictures in the book. And, and I can't, it, the story is, is coming out, it's being told. And in the same way of peeling back those layers of skin and getting under people's nails, like this is what I needed. And, yeah. and hopefully everybody can appreciate that. That's amazing. Luke, I've loved this. Um, I hope you have too. And um, I hope our listeners have loved it too. So thank you for joining me for this conversation. Yeah, thank you, Jules. And so listeners, you're going to get all of the links you need in the narrative with this podcast whichever platform you listen to on and please like and subscribe to this podcast and tell everyone about this episode so that they can hear the story too and experience the book we're on soundcloud apple Podcasts, spotify and stitcher and this will also be on youtube so make sure you tune into youtube to see the book and also luke's lovely face and then we will see you all again for the next episode of the human conversation. Thanks for listening. Ta-ta for now. You've just been listening to the Human Conversation podcast with Jules White. To find out more about the other work that Jules does, please visit her website, www.liveitloveitsellit.co.uk. And if you enjoyed the podcast, then please do leave a rating and review on the platform you use to enjoy her show. Thanks for listening and see you next time.